Am I on? There we go. Good morning. Good morning. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, if you will, please. And we'll get started. I've got a lot of stuff that uh, the Lord wants to bring forth this morning. But there's also some things that the, that the Spirit of God has shown me that we need to do as some prerequisites, some groundwork. But I want to start with just being grateful to Pastor Greg and Pastor Karen for the tremendous um, labor of love and faith that makes this house of God possible for us to come together and worship in. I'm so grateful to God that he brought me and my family to this church. It was a time where we needed it badly. And praise God, it has been worth every second of dedication and sacrifice that it's taken to be a part of uh, what's been asked of us because it's not, um, it's not a labor, it's a joy. Amen. So I regard this opportunity to minister to you with great honor. It's such a privilege to me. Um, I've said it before, last time I was with you guys, but there have been some mighty generals, men and women of God, standing in this pulpit. And I don't take this occasion lightly. And as a matter of fact, as I was preparing for today's message, just an overwhelming sense of I treat this as the most important message that I've ever delivered in the entirety of my ministry. Now, I realize that there are other people that have ministered for years longer than I have, but I've been doing it for a minute. I've been around. I've seen some stuff. And I, I hold this opportunity as the most important time that I've ever stepped into the pulpit. And so what I'd like for us to do is if we look into uh, Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to commission a charge to those of us uh, last week. Craig Anderson used the word classic for old school. I prefer classic. I'm going to start using that. Classic. Those of us that are classics. We've been in the church for a little bit. We've got some maturity. We've got some battle scars. I'm going to commission a charge this morning that you stand with me and help me to uh, produce an atmosphere of faith so that those that are younger in the faith haven't been doing it quite as long, but they're still striving toward it and they have that hunger. Let's produce that atmosphere of faith so that they can receive. Because after all, we are the body of Christ. Isn't that right? We're not here to just be entertained. But we're here to participate and contribute in the giftings that God has ordained that we exhibit and walk in. Isn't that right? So, as those of us classics are producing that atmosphere, I'm going to issue a charge to those that are a little bit younger, maybe haven't been doing it quite as long. There is the aspect of pulling on what's coming forth. All right? So you can sit there and allow it to fall in your lap, but that's not actually how it works. Pastor Greg has issued, uh, he's, he's used the illustri- illustration before that, When the clouds are full of rain, it's not the rain that falls, it's the earth that pulls the rain from the clouds. Isn't that right? So those of us that are the classics in here, we know how to do that, and so I'm going to issue a charge to do that. And so those of us that are younger know that 
That is how it operates in the kingdom of God. We have to pull upon the anointing. Isn't that right? <coughs> Excuse me. Hallelujah. So in Hebrews chapter 11, <coughs> verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So that word understand is nuyo, and that means empowered to perceive. It means to actually lay hold of with our um, intellect. It enables us to seize what it says in the Passion Translation. (coughs) It gives us understanding. Faith is what is necessary in order to gain natural understanding. Isn't that right? So in order to gain an understanding of what's going to come forth this morning, we're going to have to produce and um, walk in an attitude of faith before it'll make any sense. Before um, uh, the Lord has spoken to me and said that we're moving into a time that, um, you know, in America, we really enjoy an embarrassment of riches. And what I mean is that because of um, what we have access to regarding teaching and regarding um, great men and women of God that are able to establish ministries that we can be a part of and glean from, it really kind of is an embarrassing of riches, an embarrassment of riches. And what I mean is that we have so much access, we kind of are desensitized to what's being said. (coughs) But the Lord has been speaking to me and said that You know, we've gotten by on a certain level of revelation where we're not going to be able to get by on that level of revelation any longer because the way that the things are moving towards the return of Christ, we're not going to have any choice but to live by faith. And some things are going to start coming forth from the Spirit of God that we need to be walking in, and quite honestly, we should have been walking in already. Pardon me. But there's going to be some things where that comes forth that there is no other way to be able to receive what's coming forth except by faith. There's going to be some things that will not make sense to our natural minds at all. It's going to be so far out there according to our minds that, wait, what? And the only way we'll be able to receive it is by faith. There's been far too long where we've walked in what we've been taught and we don't employ any faith as far as being able to walk in the realities of what we've, what we've been taught. What I mean is um, we've existed for a long time on mama's faith or, or grandpa's revelation, all right? And so we get things wrong. It's like that telephone game, you know, where if you start on one end of the row and you whisper in the ear by the time it gets to the, end, the other end of the row, it's going to be a completely different message. I've got a little illustration for that. <coughs> Somehow or other, well, I know how, but I'm not going to get into that. But especially here in America, we have this idea that Jesus Christ, the man, was white. Right? But we know through the Bible and through just, come on now, let's use our heads here. He's from Israel. So actually, Jesus was Asian. I figured it would go over like that. 
because people go, yeah, I know he's not Asian because he's from Israel. He's from Nazareth. He's Jewish. Yeah, where is Israel? It's not in Europe, and it's not in Africa. Jesus was Asian. All right? So what I'm endeavoring to do is let's shake loose of what we think we know. Okay? Because um, the Lord wants me to share some things this morning that are twofold. My title of my message this morning is It's All in Your Head, but really um, there could also be the title of Manifesting the Fullness of God. You remember the old cartoon uh, Underdog? You remember that? And they would have two titles to each episode. This week, it's all in your head or manifesting the fullness of God. So there's twofold message this morning. The Holy Spirit would have us move into some greater revelation, some deeper understanding, so that we can greater manifest the fullness of God in our lives. So that is a truth that we cannot wrap our heads around, but we need to use faith in order to receive it so that it can come true in our lives. Also, he wants us to see and to understand the thing that keeps us from being able to do that. All right, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. You guys with me so far? I'm kind of feeling my way through this. I've got a lot of stuff that I've written down on paper. I may not or may not get through all of it, but I do know that the Holy Spirit has some things for us to be set free into, not just from, but into. Isn't that right? <clears throat> some of this stuff, if you've been in my uh, classes in, in trained Bible college, you've heard this, but so don't spoil the ending. But just like I've said in class, if that's your response to it, what I'm saying, if you say, oh, I've heard this before, then I can guarantee you haven't heard it. If that's your response, like, oh, I've heard this before, then you haven't heard it. All right? So what happens is, how many people in here have children? Excellent. So how many people in here have employed your uh, parental uh settings on what your children are able to have access as far as internet, television, radio, stuff like that. You employ parameters. No, I'm not going to let my kids watch rated R movies, right? I'm not going to let my kids listen to crazy vulgar music, right? I'm not going to, you understand what I'm saying? You guys, we've employed that filter on behalf of our children because we have the thinking that, well, if my child is allowed to watch this, then they'll be unable to differentiate or distinguish or discern what is real life. They won't be able to see that what I'm seeing on the screen or hearing through the radio is not real. But then we turn around and we watch it. Or we listen to it. (coughs) And we say, well, I'm doing this on behalf of my child because they can't handle it, but I can I'm here to tell you this morning, no, you can't. No, you cannot. You have fooled yourself into thinking, oh, I can handle it. What makes you think that? In Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows... That shall he also reap. The Passion Translation says the harvest that you sow, that you reap today, reveals the seed you sowed yesterday. 
So what you are walking in is the result of seed you have sown. There's no mystery. There's no, oh my gosh, what is happening? The quality and quantity of what you are currently experiencing is up to what you have invested yourself into previously. Be not deceived. You are reaping what you have sown. Okay? I know you guys love me already. Verse 8, for he that sows to his flesh. Now that word flesh in the Greek is sarx, S-A-R-X. And what that means is the human nature apart from divine influence. So it's the combination of your flesh with its fleshly desires and um, the corruption that is still in our members because of the fall and that uh, we have age and things like that that are trapped in our bodies because our bodies are made from a cursed earth, right? So with the combination of your mind, so the, the, the duo of your mind siding with your flesh is devoid of divine nature. And the Bible calls that sarks. For he that sows unto his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So that word life everlasting is two words. Everlasting is the word aeonios, and Pastor Kevin has taught on that before. But what that is, is a reference to a length, the length of time. It's an age, aeonios. It's talking about a measurement. So that's the eternal, that's the everlasting part, but life, that's zoe. So really what's being said here is aeonios zoe. So if you sow, what I'm saying is, if you invest in, give the most attention and concentration to your unregenerated mind in combination with the fleshly desires of this earth suit, you will not be able to inherit what you would have been able to inherit, which is available to you, but you've eliminated yourself from the qualifications of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have taken yourself out of the runnings for those things. You see what I'm saying? But those that sow to the Spirit will reap aeonios zoe. Zoe is life as God has it. Life as God has it. Life as God has it. Absolute fullness of life real, genuine, without end from now until eternity, irrevocable, aeonios zoe, life as God has it for eternity, and it's irrevocable. No one or no thing can take aeonios zoe from you except you. Amen? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Much of what we endeavor to employ in our lives as believers is not actually faith or revelation, but instead philosophy. Okay? Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil. Now, that word spoil in the Greek means to be led away from. It actually means to be taken captive and dragged away from. Beware lest any man take you captive and drag you away through philosophy. And philosophy means the love of knowledge. It means the pursuit of and the love affair with what we know or what we think we know. Up till about 10 minutes ago, we had no idea Jesus was Asian. 
right? And vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. Rudiment, rudiment means uh, elements. It means the foundation of. So what's happening is here is that the philosophy, the love of knowledge, is the foundation of the system of this world. This entire world system is built upon the endeavor to lead us away from the mind of God through our own vain love of our own knowledge. The way that the system of this world works is to lead us and hold us captive by our very own pursuits. Reading the Scripture... And whatever understanding you gain through Scripture without the catalyst of faith is only philosophy. So you can read Scripture and arrive at a certain place, but it not be filled with faith. So therefore, it's not revealed to you by the Spirit of God, but instead it has been perverted and distorted by the prince of this world in order for you to fall in love with what you know. And you think a certain way and you hold on to the way that you think because that is true of you. It's your truth. You understand what I'm saying? But the very thing is that that is meant to pull us away from the mind of God. We feel like we're getting closer to the mind of God through our dedicated, oh, uh, read through the Bible in a year thing. Our dead, I, I, you know what? I can listen to the greatest teachers day in and day out. But without the catalyst of faith to what I'm hearing, it is only philosophy. All right? And philosophy will kill you. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There's going to come a time where we're, we're going to, uh, you're going to have an opportunity to jump and shout, I promise. Like, whoa, Jesse came out kind of heavy this morning. But praise God, we're going to have some things to rejoice together with. The point of God's word is for reproof, correction, and edification. Reproof means to expose where we've missed it, to show us how to make the necessary corrections, and then equip us to be able to walk in it. So, first, we have to expose the problem, right? If we put a Band-Aid on something too long, but we never addressed what the injury is underneath that Band-Aid, it's going to cause infection. It's going to hurt. And the first thing you've got to do in order to treat that wound, one, two, rip that Band-Aid off of there. It hurts at first. Okay? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Now, as I was meditating and preparing for this morning, um... In my own mind, in my own imaginations, I could see people running around and shouting, isn't this awesome, and, you know, stuff like that. But then the Lord said, now, wait a minute, Jesse. There are going to be those that this message will ignite a hunger in them, and there will be others of those that will continue in what they've done before, and they'll go out scratching their heads like, I don't know what that guy was talking about. Okay? So, that was to prepare me to just bring forth the word, don't see with your natural eyes, people going, what? And just blinking at me. 
But instead, by faith, know that what's being imparted by the Spirit of God is taking root and bearing fruit in those that would receive it by faith. Okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 10. So Paul is basically trying to get us to understand that this is not philosophy, but in fact has been revealed by the Spirit of God. But God has revealed, verse 10, these things to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the thing of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God which knows no man but the Spirit of God. So what he's saying is the only one that knows what you're thinking is your spirit. Nobody except for your Creator, God, can read your mind. The devil can't read your mind. The only thing that can read your mind is your own spirit. That's how tightly woven your spirit and your soul are, your mind. The same thing is true of God. You know why? Because we're made in God's image and His likeness. It's true of God. That's why it's true of us. So the only thing that knows what's on God's mind and in His head and understands the fullness of the light of His wisdom is His Spirit, the Spirit of God. So these things have been revealed directly to us by the Spirit of God. Verse 12, now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but that Spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in words, but of, that man's wisdom teaches, that's philosophy, <clears throat> but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So skip, uh, no, verse 14. But the natural man, and he's talking about sarks, flesh. My prayer has been, Lord, I would love to see more supernatural things. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, Jesse, if that's what you want, then you're going to have to do more supernatural things. So that includes study of his word, prayer in English, and prayer in tongues. So that I am a spirit man and not a fleshly man. I'm a supernatural man and not a natural man. You understand what I'm saying? But the natural man, the man that employs sarks rather than his spirit, receives not the things of the Spirit of God. And that word receive means to embrace. It means to lay hold of. It means to lend an ear to, to consider, to um, grab onto. The natural man does not embrace the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. And that word foolishness is, um, uh, in the Greek is where we get the word moron from. It means moronic. The word is moriah, and it means absurd. It means wildly unreasonable. It means completely illogical. It means silly. So you can see the spirit of the world holds what we regard as truth as complete and utter nonsense. But what I'm here to present to you this morning, what the Holy Spirit would have us know, is that even though we have been assembled in the body of Christ, we still regard the deeper things of God as complete, utter foolishness and wildly unreasonable, completely illogical and absurd. 
Well, Jesse, I, I don't think that's true. I, I believe that stuff. Okay, well, how many times have we sat underneath anointed word under Pastor Greg, under Pastor Karen, Pastor Kevin, all of the generals of the faith that have been in this pulpit and brought forth tremendous, tremendous truths that would change our lives if we would only employ the catalyst of faith? The things that are coming forth are tremendous in their gravity, tremendous in their weight, and would change our lives beyond what we could possibly even imagine. Even, in, even Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He's able to do abundantly above anything we could even ever dream of. And we limit ourselves because what's coming forth while we mentally go, yeah, I agree with that spiritually, we regard it as utter nonsense. Otherwise, we would be walking in it. Hold on, Jesse. Now, wait a minute here. I'm t- Isn't that what the Bible just said? So what the Lord said to me was, I said, I said Father, why am I not seeing this? He says, because of your carnality. It's because of my own carnality. It's my own unwillingness to employ faith into what I'm hearing. But instead, I refuse, and as a matter of fact, I insist on carnality. Otherwise, these things would be true in my life. Their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual discerns, is able to see all things, and yet he himself is judged of no man. You are subject to no ridicule, no scrutiny that will hold up because you're able to see the truth if you're a spiritual person. You will not be able to receive what I'm about to share with you with your natural mind. It will not make sense. You cannot wrap your head around it. There will be some of us that are able to employ faith, and hallelujah, we're going to run around the room. Amen? And it will change our lives. Amen? Romans chapter 8. You guys okay? Am I beating on you too hard? You're real quiet. Romans chapter 8. Verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So basically you have two choices. You can either walk in the Spirit, you can allow your mind to be in service to your spirit, or you allow your mind to be in service to your body. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So carnally doesn't mean just sexual sin. We always jump to the sexual side of things. Certainly that's included. But carnality is the refusal to be spiritual. It's, it's the employment of our natural senses. It's, the, it's only considering circumstance. It's only considering what we can feel. It's only considering what we can understand with our natural mind. It's a refusal to step over into the spirit realm. Carnality brings death. And what that word death means is not cessation. You're not going to drop dead. You may, depending on the level of your carnality. 
what it's saying is death means a loosening or an unraveling. It means to be pulled apart. It's a separation. So what happens is you unravel and pull yourself apart from the Spirit of God, which strives to reveal truth to you. But instead, if I only regard my circumstance and what I can physically experience, I loosen myself from the Spirit of God. That's a quality of life. Not quantity. I will exist forever. You'll exist forever. We're all going to be here forever. You know why? Because we came from God. So whatever comes from God will not end. It is without end. We will exist eternally. The question is the quality of that existence in eternity. If we refuse spirituality, we will loosen ourselves and unravel and untangle and remove ourselves from the Spirit of God. In, in Romans chapter 8, it says that, uh, well, let's just read on. I about got ahead of myself. Spiritually minded is death and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. And that in, the word enmity is the act of... Um, opposition. You're actively opposed. You are resisting. It's a refusal. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. It's not subject. You mean you will not submit because you can't. There's no way. As long as you're carnal, you cannot submit to the will of God. You can't do it. It's impossible. If you only rely on circumstance and what you know and what you can see, you cannot submit to what the Word, <clears throat> the word of God says. And the Word of God is law. I'm not talking about the Mosaic law. I'm talking about the law of God, the way things are. You cannot be subject to the law of God as long as you're carnal. So that means you cannot please God in the flesh. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Now again, this is an exposure of while we fall short of what God would want us to walk in. Second Corinthians chapter 10. This is Paul defending his own ministry. There were accusations that he was not an authority on the subject, didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, he was only trying to flamboozle him, the people with his fancy language and all that stuff and trying to blow their minds. But what he says in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That word stronghold means rebellious castle. It means center of opposition. Pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. That word imaginations is citadels of argumentation. Deceptive fantasies. And everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What Paul is saying is we do not employ natural means, but we, what we do employ is able to determine the level that we experience God. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. You are in charge of what you think about, and what you think about determines what you experience. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is eternal life. Aeonios zoe. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the rebellious castles. 
and casting down of the citadels of argumentations. The longer that you meditate on what opposes the Word of God will cause you to grab hold of the very thing that keeps you from it. What I'm saying is, it will cause you to embrace the very argument that convinces you that you cannot experience what God's Word says you can experience. Let me say it another way. God's Word says this, yeah, but that's a citadel of argumentation. God's Word says this, yeah, but that is a castle of rebellion. You have hidden behind this citadel, this fortification of the reasons why God's Word can't come to pass in your life. God's Word says you are healed. Yeah, but you're hiding in that castle. You're in a stronghold of argumentation. God's Word says that I should be able to walk in abundance. Except that that's your citadel of argumentation. That's what you hide behind. That's your wall. That's what keeps you from walking in it. You've erected that. God didn't put that there. You're in charge of what you think about. We are in charge of what we think about. If I hide behind all the reasons why God's Word does not come to pass in my life, it's not God's fault. It's my fault. I've chosen to erect that wall. I've chosen to hide in that citadel. I have chosen to barricade myself behind all the reasons, all the philosophies of why God's Word is not coming to pass in my life. Well, Jesse, it's fine for you to say that because you're the minister. You know what? I'm just a dude. I'm just a dude. i got to figure this stuff out too. I was telling my wife because I get jazzed. I study in the morning and my wife wakes up. I get, her, I get up before she does. And I've already spent some time in the Word and prayer and I'm already jazzed. And she's like, oh, good morning, honey. And I start just, bam, check this out. And I'm laying some deep stuff on her. And she's like, wow, all right, that's great. My son even teases me about it. He says, I lay there in my bed and I hear you just rattle on for 20 minutes. And she's just like, "Uh uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. But what I'm saying is my prayer is, Lord, I want this to be real to me in my own life, whether I ever get the platform to broadcast it or not. I want this thing to be real to me. I want to see more supernatural things. I want to see what I've seen in the Word come to pass in my life. What is it that keeps me from experiencing what your Word says is already mine? The only difference is I spend the time to study it. The only difference is I've spoken it from my spirit man so many times my mind has heard it and I've been able to embrace it. That's the only difference. That's the only difference. I'm a dude just like you. I have to study this. I have to proclaim it. I have to embrace it. I have to agree with God. I have to lay aside my own carnality and be spiritual so that the Spirit of God can communicate to my spirit the truths that come directly from the mind of God. Otherwise, if I don't, I will continue to erect a wall in front of me of why it can't come to pass. Yeah, but the doctor said, oh, there's another brick there. Oh, but the the, the report of the economy says this. Oh, there's another report there. 
all the experts say this, I'm just laying bricks out in front of myself that I have removed myself from the Spirit of God and hid behind this thing that I've built. So, the Holy Spirit wants us to know what keeps us from what God has for us. So in the time that I have left, we're going to shift gears to the second title of the message, Manifesting the Fullness of God. The Holy Spirit wants us to manifest the fullness of God here in this earth now. The Holy Spirit of God wants us to um, lay hold of, give an ear to, embrace the truth that God wants to manifest Himself to His complete fullness in this realm, here and now, through you and through me. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now this is where we laid the groundwork earlier, where we are receiving by faith. This is not going to make sense to your mind, but by faith... The Holy Spirit is going to flood us with light. Amen? If you amen that, expect it. If you just gave me an amen, because, man, Jesse will not shut up until I amen. (laughs) Then you will not be able to grab a hold of this. It takes multiple realms to contain the fullness of God. It takes a multiplicity of realms, dimensions, in order to contain the fullness of God. Because we're talking about the creator of all heavens, plural, and all earth. The creator. So in order to express and manifest the fullness, the complete power, wisdom, knowledge, presence, rule of God, it takes a multiplicity of of realms. Okay? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16. Uh, let's start in 15. He's talking about God. Paul is exhorting Timothy to rely on the Spirit of God that you keep his commandment, verse 14, without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Verse 16, who only, meaning God is the only, who only has immortality. And he's talking about infinity. Immortality means that there's no end. Infinity means there also is no beginning. God always has been. God cannot die. God didn't just appear on the scene one day. God always has been. God alone. Only God. He is the only one that is infinite. Only God has no beginning. Only God can see the end from no beginning. You can almost get to where you can just almost, if you stretch your brain, you can't, but you can try. You can almost get to where you can imagine or at least daydream for a certain amount of time. No end. But then no beginning. Uh, uh. God alone is infinite. 
dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. God, the infinite one, dwells in light which no man can see or even approach. God existed before heaven. Okay? God exists in a realm all by himself. There is a realm called light where God exists on his own because he is infinite. He always has been. So there was originally a realm that has always been that contains God. God always has been in a realm on his own. You understand what I'm saying? God dwells in light. It was originally God. And then he created another realm, which is heaven, the third heaven, so that he could have another realm in which to express his glory, but also to have a creation to participate in his light with him. So God existed on his own, in a realm on his own, still does, still does. God ultimately exists in a realm that we cannot get to. Only God is infinite. Only God is light. Then he created the realm of heaven so that he could participate with creation and has made his throne in heaven. So there's another realm there, the heavenly realm, the spirit realm. So that the heavenly beings, the heavenly creation could participate with him in his glory to carry out his mandates, to carry out and execute his will. So there is another realm, it's heaven. So now we've got two realms here. If you look in Revelation chapter 4, it talks about the throne room of God where the apostle John was taken in the spirit to heaven and was taken through a door which is Jesus Christ into the throne room where it describes the sea of of clear glass, which is us as the saints. It describes the throne. It describes the beast around the throne with the four faces. And those are the fourfold nature of Christ. The man, the servant, the sacrifice, and God himself. And then it describes the 24 elders that surround the throne. These elders are the ones that have existed with God long enough that they have participated in the light long enough that they are privy to the plan and the schemes. So it's God talking to God. The elders have been there the longest. They're there with crowns on their head because they've participated in and have experienced God in this realm long enough they're privy to the mind of God on a realm that we're not aware of. Right? So it says that the beast with the four faces cries, holy, holy, holy before the throne, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and, and is forever. And whenever the elders hear that, they look up and they discover another realm. And for eternity, they discover realm after realm after dimension after dimension 
of God's glory. And each time they see another dimension and realm of God, they cast their crown before the throne of God and they cry, holy, holy, holy. There's a significance of repeating that word three times. Three in the spirit means completion, totality, lacking nothing. Completely, solely, the source of holiness. The beast cry, holy, holy, holy. The Council that has been with God the longest and has participated and and, and and been a part of his light the longer than anyone else. Still, every time the beast says holy, 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 they look up and discover another realm of God. And they're overcome by the holiness of God and they cast their own thrones, uh, 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 crowns before his feet and they cry holy, holy, holy. And they've been doing this for eternity. And they will continue to do this for all of eternity. It will not end. This council, heavenly council, will discover realm after realm after realm of God's glory for eternity. And they will not cease to proclaim the holiness of God. And then God created the natural realm. Thank you. And then, I told you, we're going to shout. And then God created the natural realm. So that we could participate in another realm of his infinite holiness and his infinite glory. God created another realm in which to manifest himself. And put mankind, you and me, in the center of this realm to act on his behalf as representation. As though we were him. Y'all didn't hear me that. As though we were him. Effectively, we become God in this realm because of the authority that he has delegated toward us. Authority is not power. Authority is the right to act on the behalf of another. God created another realm in which we could participate with him, but not just a servant, but as friends of God. With the plan from eternity, infinity past, that we have the right to speak on his behalf, that we have the right To walk in dominion over all the works of his hands. His hands represent his power. You ever wonder why we lay our hands on people? Because it's the hand of God. It's the power of God. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. What is the ultimate manifestation of Jesus as the Christ? It's not the working of miracles. Because there's a realm where miracles are not necessary. And it's not the raising of the dead because there's a realm where no one dies. And it's not 
healing, gifts of healing, because there's a realm where there's no sickness. The ultimate manifestation of Jesus Christ as Jesus the man, the manifestation of him as the Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. There has never been an occasion up till Jesus where God was able to be fully contained Did you hear me? There are infinite realms that cannot contain the fullness of God. Glory to God. The elders that surround the throne of God will discover dimension after dimension after realm after realm. For eternity, they will discover another dimension and another realm. And they'll be so overcome by the holiness of God, they will be forced to cast their crowns at His feet. And they're eternally discovering and proclaiming the holiness of God. Yet it cannot contain His fullness. Or he would not have created the natural realm. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter (laughs) 2. Verse 9. For in him, talking about Jesus Christ... Dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Holy, holy, holy. Jesus was able to contain and contains the fullness. Of God. It was God's idea that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Son of God, but yet Son of Man, contained the fullness of God bodily. Why was Jesus able to do what he was able to do in the natural realm? It's because he understood he was not carnal. He was a spiritual man. He did not resist what was possible, but yet embraced the impossible. He knew the unknowable. And was a manifester of the fullness of God as a man anointed by God and the Holy Spirit. In order to participate in the glory and the fullness of God. So that everyone that experienced Jesus' ministry experienced the fullness of God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Hooey. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy. John chapter 1, verse 16. And of his fullness have all we received. And grace for grace. What before Christ could not be contained because of its infinite holiness and glory has now pleased God to be contained bodily in Christ. In Ephesians, we see that Christ is the head of the church, his body. So what is true of Jesus Christ is true of us. Even the Apostle John says, as he is, so are we in this world now. If Jesus contains the fullness of God, John says it again right here, we are made to contain and we have the fullness of God in us. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Praise God. Are you blessed? Ephesians chapter 1. Verse. Oh. 20. Now he's talked about. Paul has laid out. In verses 15 through 19. What is available to us. The infinite power of God. And the Jesse Lindley version says it this way. It's the available power stored up for us by his full display of God's ruling, kingly authority. The full display of all the power available to him is available to us. Which he wrought in verse 20. Which came to pass, which he exercised, demonstrated in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. That, world, that word world means age. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all. The word fill there, the fullness of him, that mean, that's pleroma. That means totality, the complete package, all of it. It means the, the filly. It's what has been filled. We are filled by him that fills all. That word fill there is plero, which is the one who fills. We are filled by the one who fills. By what? The fullness of God. God placed his fullness in Christ. Christ placed the fullness of God in us. Amen? Chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. Now up to this point we've seen God in his fullness, bodily in Christ. Christ being the manifester of the fullness of God. Us being the body of with the design of the manifesting of the fullness of God. You follow what I'm saying here? No? Yes, this means yes. Okay. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the entertaining of the saints. No. For the placating and soothing of the saints. It's okay, pretty baby. You're going to be fine. You, 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 boo, boo, you, boo. Gave these gifts so that the congregation will feel comfortable. So that the congregation will leave the same way they came. So that the congregation will live defeated lives, lacking any victory or any proof that they even know God outside of what they claim. No. It says... For the perfecting, that means the edifying, the building up, the maturing for the work of the ministry. Now, people love to stop there. But what he's saying is the work of your ministry. Each individual ministry represented here. Each person in each seat has a ministry. Your work of your ministry. The Fivefold ministry gifts are not to make you feel better. It's to train you to go out and do the works of your ministry. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. As long as we are doing the work of our ministries, when we come together as the body of Christ, we are the full manifestation of the fullness of God. That's why I charge the classics to pr- produce an atmosphere of faith so that those that are younger can grow. We're building the body. Those that are classics are doing the work of their ministries. Amen? It's not just the people that are in the pulpit. It's each seat. Everyone here has their role to play in the work of their ministry in order to build up the body so that we can experience and know the fullness of God. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, that means that we all believe. It doesn't mean that we all agree on doctrine. It means that we all believe on Jesus. The door, the way, the truth, the life. We can argue over semantics forever, but the truth, the faith is that God alone is the source of life and wisdom and has given His Son Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to die in our place and rise from the dead as the proof that the price had been paid for our own righteousness, which means we qualify to participate as the body of Christ. But it doesn't stop there. How long will this work continue? How long are these fivefold gifts supposed to do this work of building and edifying and helping us all to mature as a body? How long does this work continue? Till we all come in the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, which means mature or fully grown, fully equipped, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Pastor Greg's job is not to raise the dead. It's to teach you how to manifest 
the fullness of Christ. It's not Pastor Kevin's job to just teach you about your righteousness. It's so that you embrace your righteousness so that you can do the work of your ministry so that you can be a manifester of the fullness of God. I'm going to lay something on you here, okay? The Lord spoke to me yesterday morning and he said in regards to cancer. And this is an illustration. I don't have it. There are those that say, I have cancer. But the truth is, you are a spirit joined to the Spirit of God. And as a manifester of the fullness of God, you don't have cancer. Your body has cancer. There's an important distinction there. I, as a spirit, a manifester of the fullness of God, I don't have cancer. My body has cancer. And so therefore, because I am a manifester of the fullness of God, I command. I command. I command my body. I command those cancer cells. As a manifester of God in His fullness. I don't pray for healing. I bring life. In Christ, not Jesse the man. But because I'm joined and I'm one spirit with Jesus Christ Himself. What's true of Jesus is true of me. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. The words that I speak are light. I am not trying to succeed. I am success. Say what? I'm not trying to abound. I'm abundance. It's because of how we think. We are invited to be manifestors of the fullness of God. We're so busy fighting for scraps. We're so busy chasing down what's important to us. We're so busy with the legitimate concerns of life. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep. Those things are legitimate. He says, which the Gentiles seek after. Those things will be added unto you. Those are legitimate concerns. But as long as that's what we're pursuing... We take ourselves away from the fullness. The very thing we strive to achieve is the very, our very own lust for what we're trying to achieve is the very thing that keeps us from it. We're so limited in our thinking. 
I'm trying to achieve. I'm trying to earn. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. When the reality is you are that. There's ministers. You guys are really going to like this. Ministers in the room. There are ministers that have such a lust for the pulpit. And that's the very thing that keeps them from it. If you endeavor to be a minister of, the, of God in this room, if that's your title, if that's your uh, endeavor, if that's what you aspire, if you have a desire for leadership or to be a gift in that way, the very lust for notoriety and the platform is the very thing that keeps you from it. Instead, we should be striving for manifesting the fullness of God. Where I go, life is. Where I go, abundance is. Where I go, freedom is. Where I go, the anointing breaks all yokes of bondage. Where I go, people are set free. Where I go, healing follows me. Where I go, abundance follows. Where I go, blessings chase me down. Where I go, I'm not seeking blessings. Where I go, I manifest the fullness of God. and Blessings chase me down. Where I go, I manifest the fullness of God. And people cannot distinguish between between Steve Hines and Jesus Christ. Amen. If I could have the band come up real quick. <laughs> this is not just um, hoopla. I'm not trying to manipulate your emotions. I'm trying to be the voice of God in your lives so that you can receive freely from the Spirit of God what the Spirit of God wants you to receive, and that is we are meant to be the manifestors of the fullness of God. And the thing that keeps us from it is the way that we think. In Ephesians chapter 1, it's the available power. But in Ephesians chapter 3, it's because of the fullness of God. You can study that when you get home. I'm already over my time. But the power available in Ephesians chapter 1 is made available by what he prays for us in Ephesians chapter 3. It's the knowing. It's the embracing. It's the knowledge. It's the knowing the unknowable that we know the breadth and the width and the length and the depth and the height that we're rooted and grounded in love that we're so convinced and we're so persuaded and we're so, we've experienced the fullness of God then we are able to release the full power of God in our lives and into the lives of every person that we come across in every sphere that we enter in every realm of influence that God has ordained that we are in we manifest the fullness of God. Romans chapter 8. I got one more scripture for you. One more, okay? You guys all right? Romans chapter 8. This is why this is all so important. It's not so... And what the point I was trying to make about us seeking blessings. Here's what I'm... This is the point that I'm trying to make. If we're manifesting the fullness of God, those things just come. 
where God is, there's no sickness. Where God is, there's no lack. Where God is, there's no poverty. Where God is, there's no depression. Where God is, there's no oppression. Where God is, there's no, no one is bound. Where God is, all are free. Isn't that right? Where God is, I have supply. Where God is, I have joy. Where God is, I have freedom. Where God is, I have abundance. Where God is, where God is, God is in me. So those things will come because where God is, life is. Aeonios, zoe, life as God has it for all of eternity, irrevocable, unending. Romans chapter 8, this is why for the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. All of creation, the earth, the planet itself, earnestly groans for someone to manifest God's fullness. Mankind, who is tossed about by every wind of doctrine, every wind of medical reports, every wind of economical reports, every wind of this plague, of that pandemic, of that vaccine, every wind of this UFO, every wind of... You understand what I'm saying? By the world that is tossed about and there is no freedom, there is no assurance, there is no peace, there is no hope. In the world that is subject to the fall of man, it wasn't even earth's fault, but still is held captive to the curse the world in its entirety groans to be set free. The world groans and waits for the manifestation of God. The world is waiting for the church. <laughs> so I want us to all stand together really quickly. And I want to show you something real quick. When we're praising and worshiping, if your hands are like this, you are presenting something toward God. You are offering a sacrifice of praise. This is what you offer to God. You offer your surrender. You offer what you have, which is nothing but you. You offer, this is the position of offering. But this is the position of receiving. So I want us, if this is for you, and it ignited a hunger in you, and you're not the one that's like, I don't know what that guy just said for the past hour. But you're intrigued. That's the Holy Spirit wooing you. That's the Spirit of God. Come on, come on. It's for you too. It's for everyone. You haven't done anything that disqualified you. The price is already paid. All you have to do is receive. This is the receiving posture. And for those of us that, man, this is awesome. God, I want that. This is the posture of receiving that from the Spirit of the Lord. Our act of worship and our position of receiving what it is that He would want to deposit into us. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And you don't have to repeat it, but you can be in agreement with me and offer up your own prayer. And the Spirit of God will meet us and has met us. The Spirit of God is here because He's in you. You want to see a move of God? It's you. 
But just come into agreement all over this place. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your spirit of truth and revelation. Thank you for unveiling your plan for us. Thank you for removing those bricks that we've erected around ourselves that resist this truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for illuminating the plan of God. And I choose this day to embrace that truth. I choose this day to be a spiritual man, to be a spiritual woman, to embrace those things from the Spirit of God, to see and discern those truths. I receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. And while it may take time for me to chew on, it may take time for me to walk it out and grow in it, but thank God for the gifts of God that help me to grow and to learn these things. I endeavor from here forth, and not in my own strength, but I'm empowered by your Spirit. I can't do it in my natural strength, but praise God, I'm not a natural man. I'm born again. And the Spirit of God empowers me for this endeavor. And I receive the fullness of God. I receive the fullness of God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to dismiss here in a minute, but before I do, I want to present this opportunity to experience God. If you've never been born again, today is your day. Today, today. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, then today is your day. We're going to have ministers of ministers. If you'd go ahead and come forward, these people love to and want to, cannot wait to pray with you and lead you into the kingdom of God. The Bible says you've passed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Praise God. You have eternal life. If there are those of you that say, you know what, I need to buckle down and do this thing. I need to rededicate myself. I'm tired of messing around. I'm tired of playing games with this thing. I'm tired of dancing around and walking on eggshells. It's all or nothing, and today's the day. And you want to rededicate and, and say, Father, I'm all in. Then you come forward. And then lastly, if you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that is a subsequent event, that means it's separate from but also just as vital. Once you're born again, then you're, uh, you are able to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit of God Himself. And the evidence of that, the proof, one of the ways is speaking in tongues. There's so many more evidences, but that's the one that most people are familiar with. And you know today's the day. You know what? I've been playing with it. I've been contemplating. I've been fighting against it. Today is the day. If you answer any yes to any of those three things, come forward. And then again, if you have just any need whatsoever, if you have any physical, financial, relational, if you have any need at all and you've had trouble gaining victory in that area, come together and by the law of agreement, that thing is done in the name of Jesus Christ. Come forward. Any need at all. So... With that, as we remain reverent to those that are making decisions, if you have to go or you desire to leave, everyone is dismissed. But if you had answered yes to any of those things, 
then please come forward. So with that, you guys, I love you so much. Thank you for listening to me this morning. Thank you for listening to the Spirit of God. You're dismissed.